0: Hello, welcome to some Durst Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, The Matrix. But before we do that, Buddy, watch all the other folks know what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, on this podcast, we talk about m- movies. <laughs>
0: Mostly, I think no. we've,
1: we've done more movies episodes this year than games episodes. Though we are subterbs talk about games. Um, so, it is Matrix Month. We are approaching very swiftly the release of The Matrix 4, The Matrix Resurrections, at the end of December. So, we are, we are going, and in keeping with our... our you know, what what would it call these? These are sort of like landmark episodes, right? Like this is our this is a landmark episode on the Matrix in the same way that we had landmark episodes on like Star Wars and stuff like that, right? Um, so, yes. So we'll be talking about the Matrix today is the the Matrix one, and then over the next couple of weeks we'll be doing the Matrix Reloaded and the Matrix uh, Revolution. So,
0: yeah. Alright, yeah, so uh, I guess Pre-spoiler review of the Matrix. <laughs> what are your thoughts? And by the, we're gonna be spoiling all three Matrix movies at various times throughout these reviews, so you know probably if you some. Other a stuff spoiler too. for
1: a 22-year-old movie, I suppose. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um God, what is my pre spoiler review for the Matrix? Like this thing is a masterpiece. And I say that in a in a sort of um straightforward way like i think we all understand like the matrix is good and the matrix has always been incredibly good right like this is this is the movie that maybe defined five years straight of like action filmmaking it felt like um not to mention that i think it also sort of opened the world to these sort of more um fantastical and metaphorical, uh, you know, sorts of movies that we would eventually get all throughout the the mid-2000s, right? Like, something that I think The Matrix is a a definitive kind of, like, starting point of is um, it's there with X-Men, and, like, Lord of the Rings would be two years later, but is also part of this, right? Like, the big real shift kind of away from straightforward, you know, sort of action dramas... Like, disaster movies, right? Like, this was the big thing in the 90s, disaster movies, into the really high-concept sci-fi superhero stuff, fantasy stuff, right? I think all of that stuff kind of comes, and The Matrix is absolutely riding that wave, right? Everybody wants to point to one specific movie. You know, you want to point to X-Men or Blade or you want to point to Lord of the Rings. And I think that... I've probably done this on this podcast, right? Um, but I think that they all kind of coalesce together, and these are like the the changing of the seasons um, in motion, and uh, and yeah, and the Matrix itself is just like an incredibly well crafted film. It is probably one of the best, like tightest scripts I think I've ever read, and put like seen put to screen. Um, you know, like one of the one of the things that I did a lot when I was in college was I had to like write or I had to read screenplays, um, and the Matrix screenplay was great. Uh, it was incredibly tight. Actually, funnily enough, the best screenplay I think I ever read was um, uh, Brokeback Mountain, but maybe maybe the Matrix is like number two or number three in that in that list. It's just like it it has all of the momentum and all of the kind of uh, uh, like stakes and drama that. Uh, that that are incredibly absorbing. I guess I just wanna, I just wanna say that. But I th- but, I do also wanna add, that I think, the Matrix is a little, basic. This is the this is the downside of the Matrix. I think the Matrix is a little basic, and um and I guess we'll talk about the implications of that later on. This is this like okay. a spoiler for, some stuff that I want to bring up later.
0: <laughs> Interesting, because I think. I think the, the what, what you you might be picking up on and obviously we'll get into this later is is it is inc- if you go back and watch it now especially if you've never watched it like it's almost like imagine like reading like a large portion of the western canon and not being aware of the bible what the bible was and then going and reading the bible and being mm-hmm. like oh right like I felt like I felt like that a lot with this movie right yeah. that, like or like Something similar like the Seinfeld effect, right? Like, you know, where you can clearly see how things from this movie influence stuff to this day, right? Like, um, it has influenced a a large generation of things and how, like, things that feel, like, weird and different... Like, like, there are points I looked at this and were like, this isn't... um, this has some like you know like some some weaknesses that maybe I can I, I can pick out but like it all kind of like disappears in the background. I also wonder if, um, just as kind of as part of this right, like uh, we talk about like nitpicky bullshit a lot. If like like there's a bunch of nitpicky bullshit in this that like kind of like buzzes like bubbles up in my head, um, that I don't really care about on like a, like a, like an object level. It also gets explained away in the third movie. Um, cause it kind of has like, uh, like we can, we can talk about that when we, when we get there in two weeks, but like, um, that kind of like, oh, was, this is all part of the plan anyway. Like let, lets you retrospectively get a lot of lay with a lot of weird little plot holes. But, um, uh, uh, I think, I think regardless of all of that, it, 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 it works. It gets, it's great. I will agree with you. Um, I, just I also think that like a lot of like the, the, some of the stuff comes off as like Cheesy is the best way to put it, but I think that a lot of that's kind of like because it's breaking new ground, it doesn't feel old and tired. Um, like it's like they're like you know, um, something that like really stuck out at me was kind of like it's not super early CG, but it's early enough that you can like see the edges on things and you can like see, oh, where absolutely,
1: yeah. I mean, the I think the CG has not held up very well. It has, um, in, in there are a couple of particular moments like when Neo touches the the glass or whatever. And the glass gets on his fingers that I think at the time looked great, but now looks awful and so bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, just because like,
0: it's mean, ref- a really tough thing to, to saying, render. Reflections yeah. are super fucking hard. Right. And super intensive. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and like, you can even see like, like um, you can, t- first of all, I wonder how much of this is just like, you know, resolution got better. And so it's easier to see these things. Right. But um, the, the little bug they put in his stomach, um if you look at like i i was staring at it and it's cg but the tail when it's like wiggling around in his belly button that's like a practical effect you can you can like see it shift between the two scenes like uh that like it clearly goes from like a cg thing to like a a practical effect um and the practical effect obviously holds up uh, a bit better um but i I think i think i think part of this is just kind of like like i said like uprising as you walk forward right like the um the the scene in i guess we're we're in I guess post spoiler territory, whatever, right? Okay. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, uh, the scene where there, where, um, Morpheus and Neo are hanging from the helicopter, right? You can watch it go between, you know, a top-down view over a green screen and like the cities inserted in the background, and like was clearly some very impressive crane work of some sort, right? Like you could you can, you know, you don't need to watch it more than once to see those things from like a modern. eye. I just wonder. Yeah. You know, if you went back That at...
1: stunt absolutely looks real, right? Yeah. Like, in the sense that I believe that's really, you know, Keanu Reeves and Lawrence Fishburne. Um, but it is unreal in the sense that it is not taking place... It is taking place on a soundstage, right? It is not taking place on, uh, you know, a real skyscraper and a real helicopter, obviously. Yeah. Which is, which is interesting. Though I will say, one thing I, I f- forgot about this movie is how much they do show the actor's fate. Like, it is just... The actors sitting there doing their fight choreography, that's something I kind of forgot about. And I loved, like, I I honestly loved every second of, you know, just these incredibly highly choreographed, right, like kind of like punch for punch, sort of tit for tat, right, Uh, like kung fu fights. I don't know why, because I think I would on aggregate say that that's kind of bad filmmaking, right? Like the camera is not very dynamic. It's just holding on this medium shot. You're just watching them do these punches and they're so artificial. There's no way that those are real, you know, like this is not real combat. Right. Um, And it doesn't give me the sense that it's real combat, but it does give me the sense that like, it is two people in legitimate conflict, if that makes sense. So it is, it is unreal combat, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, and, uh, and I kind of forgot how nice that looks, right? Like, in a world where it just feels like a lot of, you know, a lot of action um, is kind of obsessed with being uh, very realistic, to see something that is not, that is stylistic and, choreo- and choreographed yeah, I- to an immaculate degree is, uh, is kind of special. It's like, it's, it's a little bit of a, like a palate cleanser, you know, compared to something like... You know, I mean, John Wick is maybe the best.
0: Well, I, I was going to say example. that, like, I think John Wick starts the trend of like doing hyper realistic combat, right? Because like, yeah. like Matrix is very clearly wuja, right? Like, like, like um, uh, Watchmen, the movie, is mm-hmm. very clearly supposed to be wuja instead of like real action. But like, I mean, wuja is a, a long enough, like, a long enough running kind of like filmic tradition that there's obviously some tricks there to like make it like to, to capture like you know the cinematic combat element of it right like um, and still make it work um, but but I I, I I agree with you I, I think is is uh, is in, in kind of the larger strokes like, I, I, it did look very fake but that didn't like that I don't think that, that that detracts from it the only thing that really bothered me about the fight scenes is the effect that they use to make like the punching look fast never looked good to me like never looked good to me. Right, like there's like okay. it's it's kind of like double. it is is like a very small thing, but like they like it's kind of like do like a like a like a an after fade effect on the punches, right? Like and so it looks it's supposed to be it's going really fast, but it just look dumb to me. But you know that's, that's a particular thing for me, I guess maybe.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, I do have some problems with the, with some of the fight scenes. Like so, for instance, um, and I think that this is a problem kind of endemic to all of the Matrix films, which is that the fight scenes are sometimes sort of devoid of. Like stakes or meaning in the in the the story and the plot, and granted, The Matrix One is the best about this, right? I think it has the most fight scenes that like matter in terms of the outcome of who wins and who loses is important, right? Um, but I remember thinking that. The, the one, you know, and it's like the famous one too, like it, when they go through the metal detector and they're just like gunning down the security guards or whatever, right? I remember thinking how superfluous that was. and I was just like, that, this would be cut in a modern movie because people would notice this and just kind of go this doesn't matter we know the heroes are better than these guys than these random mooks and we don't need to like lavishly film them shooting a bunch of red shirts right um what really matter are their you know is their confrontation with the agents right like those are the real threats right um and uh and, I, and, that, and that's something that I think is maybe a little problematic going forward because I remember this also being a problem in Reloaded and Revolutions like even more so. Um, but it's just like there there is sometimes this, this sort of like gratuitous, the Morpheus, the Morpheus Neo fight scene where they're first doing Kung Fu together or whatever. It's also a little bit like this, right? Like it's just, it's, it's a little um, almost like indulgent, I guess is kind of the word I'm looking for.
0: So I, I get what you're saying about the 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 uh, the business like elevator like the thing that the um the the lobby scene right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might even largely agree with you there. But I think the the, the Morpheus Neo C is important. Kind of like established like like it does it's doing a, a lot of work with world building in a couple of ways, yeah. right? Like it's establishing like this this place. It kind of like is the moment where you like really get to see like things break from you know like. You know, a person acting perfectly because they've gotten the program uploaded into their head to something that breaks what what would be possible in reality, right? Like that's where you get like you know into, into like what I'm gonna call true wuja territory. Yeah. Um, and then um, the other part of this is this kind of like this thing that I think is that I realized was, like a little bit hard to appreciate. Um, you know, in the in the in the in in the rear view, which is that like the movie tries to hold this an open question for a very long time, whether or not Neo is actually the one, right? Yeah. Like, and that, that scene plays into it, right? Cause that's like a point in his favor. It's immediately followed up by the, um, by the jump scene, which she fails, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, like everyone fails. And so, and you know, and that, that kind of like is a point in the other direction. And then you very quickly move into the Oracle scene, which is where we're told that he's not the one, right? Um, uh, but uh, but I so I I think that 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 it does important uh, kind of like stage setting there. Um, but I I, don't, I feel like the lobby scene was just like a cool scene to have in an action movie type of deal. Um, but I, I like th- that scene less so. But like the fact that they like blow out the bottom of the elevator, I'm like, what? Why did they do that? Like, what was just to get the agent's attention maybe?
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't really understand a lot of the, well, this, is the type of like, <laughs> this is there either
0: this is a lot of the, the kind of like a lot of like the like ish bullshit that's like it's like oh whatever right like yeah I mean
1: it's one of those things where if you think about the agents just like for instance okay so one of the things we talked about in free guy is that the GMs in the world wouldn't be spawning Uzis for themselves. They would just be pointing and killing the character or whatever. And that was something that I wasn't expecting my brain to go
0: to. My brain was there too, yeah.
1: yeah I was just like, my, my first immediate thought is just like, man, how come the agents can't just fucking delete these guys? Like, why would you have an agent that can shoot a gun, but you don't give him perfect pinpoint accuracy, right? Like if I can write an aimbot script for Call of Duty or whatever, you would think that the Matrix, you know, the the machines would be able to write a script for their agents to always hit with their, you know, with their handguns. There was just like a lot of there was just like a lot of that in, um, you know, in sort of the scenes that nobody ever remembers, right? Where it's like, oh, like I forgot about this like chase scene, you know, like in my head, the scene in the subway takes place at the exact same point or within the exact same location, right, that the scene at the end with the, at the hallway. But there's actually this whole chase where he's running through the crowd and the agents are following him, right? And I remember thinking that like, the agents are shooting at him and I'm just like, how how are the agents missing? How are the agents, like, stormtrooper bad when it comes to, like, when it comes to this? Um, and I think the answer is just don't think about it, right? Like, this is yeah. the kind of thing oh, that's yeah. going to unravel the entire fucking movie. No, <laughs> I, I
0: was going to say, I, I definitely had a moment where I was like, how do they not have a way to, like, boot people from the Matrix, right? like And, like, I don't know. I, I went through, like, a series of these in my head because, like, they, 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 you know, they um, – they paper over his mouth in that opening scene right and that just mm-hmm. like opens up like a ton of fucking questions right it's like <laughs> yeah. like why don't they just do like something like that all the time right like and, and you know like even the idea that like they they have to find people rather than being able to you know but that's like like you said that's you know, and as Lou says in the chat right like you know um, it makes for a tree story you slash kill your way through through everything um and honestly i would have liked like this is the type of thing you get get into in like um in like ex, you know ex, external literature, right? Like in like mm-hmm. you know the official guidebook. Yeah, this, book to yeah, the Matrix. yeah. This is
1: the kind of thing that I want to read in a book somewhere where they're like, oh, actually. There's so much stuff – there's so much data coming into and out of and flowing through the Matrix that it's impossible for the machines to track this. And so that's why they c- you can hide in plain sight as a – you know, like – I'm sure, honestly, like in Enter the Matrix or the Animatrix or something, I would not be surprised if there was some answer to this I mean, like uh, fundamental concept
0: in there. I mean, I, again, the, the answer the, – the Get a Jail Free card is that, like, this is – this was designed to happen because it – you know, like this like – the, the revelation by the architect, and I forget if it's the second or the third movie.
1: It's in the second movie,
0: yeah. Is that, like, you know, this is all part of the grand plan. And so, like, that kind of, like, lets you, like, you know, write off literally any plot hole about, like, why think why they should be able to do anything. It's like, well, they let them yeah, do it. Yeah, you know, something that I
1: remember not thinking about at all, but is so obvious to me now, is that the Oracle is a program. I remember this was such a huge fucking deal. No one... I mean, you know, partially, I was 10. Yeah. We were 10, 11, 12 at the time. No one was thinking on this kind of level. I'm sure if I was a 20 year old guy in college watching The Matrix, I would be having a more complex thought about this. But at the time, when The Matrix Reloaded came out and it was revealed that the Oracle was a program of the machines that was helping people, that was mind blowing to me at the time. Because you just don't think about it, right? Who is the Oracle? I don't know why. Why are they doing what they're doing? Not explained, but you don't care about it. You're just with it. You're just kind of moving through the, you know, moving through the pieces. But the moment that that is an- that get, that question gets answered in the second one, I just like it was like kaboom. My whole fucking head exploded, and I couldn't believe it. I actually was surprised to see, by the way. You know, one of the things that you hear about when it comes to The Matrix and The Matrix Reloaded and Revolutions is that, like, The Matrix, you know, they put everything in it because they, they thought it was going to be one and done, right? It's It was a Star Wars story, right? You know, they they got a bunch of money kind of out of nowhere. Um, you know, the only other movie they had made before this was, like, a lesbian, you know, romantic drama or something, right, that was, like, an independent, like, Oscar, you know, an Oscar kind of bait movie, right? Um and so they went, like, really hard for, for, like, this. They went really hard for the Matrix. And I was kind of expecting to see kind of more cracks, like, more seams um, between it and Reloaded and Revolutions, right? Since those two were, like, not planned, essentially. Um, but I was actually surprised that the opposite was the case. I felt like I was constantly seeing things that were, like, jolting me forward and being like, oh... This pays off later. Oh, that pays off later, right? Like in Reloaded, in Revolutions, right? Um, and it's stuff like that that um, that actually makes me think that the Matrix is like secretly like this is. I think I think this is part of the Matrix is like secret sauce, uh, is that it is that sort of um, like like. Uh, Expansive. It 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 has that. It has it does not feel contained. It feels open. Like, there's this huge other world it, to go explore and like learn more about.
0: Yeah, it it kind of got that John Wick thing going for it, where like a lot of the greater world is hinted at, but not um, but not explicitly spoken to so you. There's like room to build in it, um, and you know uh, and so I, I think that that like lends it to the to 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 that level of like creativity. Although something I will note is uh. So, something that just like stuck out at me like a store thumb was um, in the in the the Hellscape version of the future that you know or that that uh, Morpheus brings him to the Twin Towers are standing um, burned out but you know it's like oh oh well you know there's that right like as mm-hmm. I you know it's just like one of those things that you can't help but like see or at least for, for, for me it was that way um, yeah uh, but uh, but you know just to your to your Star Wars point I was actually weirdly surprised by, like, the number of parallels, like, you know, Neo is a chosen one who is supposed to be too old for, uh, for, like, you know, becoming the chosen one, right, like, he's discovered too late, like, later than, 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 uh, than normal, um, there's all, the thing that brought this to my mind is, like, when, um, at one point he says, like, uh, like, that's not true. Like some something very close to like that's not true. That's not possible. It's very close to that's that isn't true. That's about like it just like stuck out in my head It's like they're like they're not like super huge things. But they're like you know obviously they're built on, on kind of the same model of story, right? Chosen one, you know, fantastic mm. world type of deal. Rejects the yeah. Call I mean, even
1: the nature of Neo's chosen one ness. Is kind of um, is very like complicated. There's a lot going on there, right? I think the other the other chosen one narrative that that does this, and it's weird for me to say this as a positive thing, is Harry Potter, which is also a little bit of almost like a deconstruction. I feel like a lot of Neo's being a chosen one is a deconstruction of the nature of being chosen one. A deconstruction is kind of the wrong term for it, but it is it it has um it has sort of more complex machinery in place than just. He is, you know, he is the one, right? Um, Part of this, though, I think only comes out in Reloaded and Revolutions, right? Like, my read on Neo as Chosen One, and I don't know if this matches you, right? But Neo is not the Chosen One when he talks to the Oracle. Neo becomes the Chosen One when Trinity falls in love with him and brings him back to life. In a sense, she chooses him to be the Chosen One, right? And what the Oracle says is, you know, you have the gift, but you know, you're not quite there or whatever, right? Like, that is the indication that the Oracle, right, sees that there is the possibility that Neo could be the Chosen One, but he hasn't transformed. And the transformative moment comes when Trinity, who has been prophesied to fall in love with the Chosen One, right, uh, brings it back to life after he's shot by Agent Smith. You know, like, that's the that's the moment where he becomes it, right? Which is supported in the later movies because we later learn that the nature of the chosen one and zion and all of this is to collectivize the problem of free will right that humans reject the matrix when there isn't an outlet for free will to be exercised right and that outlet is zion that outlet is the you know the one um and so we know that there's free will in the Matrix, and we know that everyone who is fighting against the machines is exercising their free will. So, yes, theoretically, Trinity does have the free will to choose who the Chosen One is, As and the Oracle knows that she has that ability and communicates that to her. And it's like, all of that is way more Chosen One stuff than you ever get out of, like,
0: a typical narrative. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know what you mean. because I it's I don't know if I totally agree because like I don't know if there's like a I don't know if there's like, like I don't know if I agree with your reading on like you know Trinity can choose who she loves because like I think that that's like like th- what does the Oracle say the Oracle says something along the lines of like you like
1: you
0: you you know it when you're there type of deal right like mm-hmm. like um I get what you're saying. That is interesting, though. That's an interesting thing. Not one that I hadn't thought of. I thought that that was just kind of and, like... And it. by
1: the way, that is only one reading. Like, there, the other reading, and I think this is the more common one, though I don't like it as much because I think it's less true, is um, that Neo is not the one when he talks to the Oracle, but he self-actualizes, you know, like, that he realizes um, and is able to, you know, manifest, essentially, and that any of the kids in there could have manifested as being the one if placed in the right conditions and under the right circumstances a lot of times people you know like when people say that they tend to link it to neo's decision to stand and fight smith in the subway tunnel um as the first person to sort of break with the protocol of even just running from the agents right like he is willing to face down an agent and 1v1 an agent Um, like that's the that's the thing that kind of breaks him out of normality and lets him ascend to be the chosen one and then the other one and this one I like the least just because I think it is the least true and most clickbaity is that Neo is not the one the one is actually Agent Smith Um, and that this only comes up later in Reloaded and Revolutions because Smith is the person who can most directly break and influence you know the Matrix via copying himself a million times you know as we've all seen. I think uh, that one is the least supported and least interesting, but it is like it's the one that like a Watch Mojo movie will make a fucking dumb fan theory video on and get two million views on YouTube.
0: I'm surprised that none of those are. She was just lying to him. He was always the one, because <laughs> um, like that's yeah, like I the, the, the plainest. There was always right? that, you know. Because yeah, like that's like, there that is is like that. the plainest. You know, Morpheus. You know, tells him she told you what you needed to hear, not necessarily what was true. Um, yeah. But – so let me let me hit you with something because I wanted to bring this up at some point anyway, right? That scene is also where we get like probably like – there's obviously a lot of like uh, mixing of like – I'm going to call it generally Eastern philosophy uh, with like Western religion um, just because I don't have the strongest grip on say like Buddhism or um, or any sure. of the Zen traditions. But there's, there's clearly that influence there, right? Like the line where the kid says, um, you know, realize there is no spoon um, – uh, something along the lines of like um the one you bend, you bend yourself, right? Like that is a very zen line. That's like something like I went and looked to see if I could find it, because it sounds like something I might have heard Alan Watts say or something, right? Like or like a you know, like a interpretation of something like that. Um And so the idea of the one being, you know, the person that can achieve um i i guess i guess something along the lines of like true ego death right like uh, you know you know becoming one with everything right like mm-hmm. um uh which is kind of like you know like that's like the old the old freaking uh, joke right like uh, you know the Dalai Lama goes to a hot dog vendor and says make me one with everything right like like that kind of like philosophic route, i think might be operative there if if, if that makes sense right like neil you know, is that's the w- interesting
1: go on My... Core take is that the philosophy isn't super Eastern and that it is, in fact, pretty Western. Because I think the the bedrock of The Matrix is uh, Simulacra and Simulation by Jean Baudrillard. Which right? is the
0: which book is, that he has. The... Yeah, which is
1: the bo- it, Yeah, it's the book that Neo shows. It's also where uh, the um, the quote, "The Desert of the Real," comes from. Because the idea of simula- simulacra and simulation, right? Like a, A simulacra, I think he defines it in that book, it's like a copy that there is no real, right? There's nothing real, but it is copied, it is a copy of a copy of a copy, and eventually the original thing is so lost and gone that the only things left are the copies of copies, right? That there is no real anymore, there is just simulacra, right, and simulation it's, it's a, a, a one sentence thing obviously it is deeper and more complicated than that or right. whatever but that's like the thing and the desert of the real is the the de- the the desert the the desolation there is no real like there is nothing there is no real anymore real has is so far from view because of the copies and copies that you know, have been reintroduced over and over and over again, um, that it just simply doesn't exist anymore, right? That it is a, it is a desolate place that no one ever ever ventures to anymore, right? Um, but I guess I do think that there is some sort of, like, because I, 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 I agree, especially with the spoon, when, you know, when he says, like, the secret is there is no spoon, right? Like, that to me does hit me a kind of a... Uh, like a Zen or like almost like a Tao. That sort is, of, uh, that is
0: super. Like, I, I think, yeah. I think part of it is that like, there's obviously like a collision of a lot of things, right? Like, you know, obviously simulation or simulate simula- simulation is there. It's, it's, it's like literally in the fucking movie, right? Like, yeah, like yep. that line is very, um, is very, is very Zen. There's, um, you know, the very kind of Christian imagery of, you know, the one rising from the dead, right? Like, um, uh, and maybe that's an attempt to kind of like universalize a lot of these things, right? Like, um, the one is supposed to be a reincarnation, of a, uh, of of a of a previous um, of a previous you know person. Um, there's there's a lot of little stuff there too, like you know, you they're like like so like a line that hit me as being like like uh, weirdly like a narco libertarian is um when he's talking about like. Like the ma- so first of all the matrix is all around you and you know it's 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 everywhere right like that's one kind of like conjures like image like that sounds a lot like a holy spirit line right mm-hmm. but then he's but like in describing this fake thing he says it's there when you go to church and when you pay your taxes which is like that just kind of like pinged my like oh this is like like you know pre Reddit you know uh, a- atheist <laughs> libertarian <laughs> like like type of line right there right like.
1: Yeah, I mean, and this is sort of what I... um. So, you know, what I alluded to is that the Matrix is a little bit basic. This is sort of where the Matrix, I think, stumbles a little bit for me, which is that it is... It's simultaneously, like, deep and shallow, if that makes sense, right? Because I yeah. do think that, the you know, examining these, you know, like, copies of copies, right, that, you know, if you create a world that is so lifelike that people don't even know the difference, right, like... At what point is that just reality, right? Like that, you like that's another thing. That, you know, in in simulacra and simulation, Judge Broderyard talks about how, if you're a cartographer, right, and you're drawing a map, and you draw a map that is so detailed as to have literally every detail of the the place that you are mapping, at a certain point, the map ceases to be, and you are then just copying reality, right? You are making a a completely one for one, very similitudinous copy, right? Um, And I think that that's like, that's crazy and that's compelling. And I love the way that, you know, um, Cypher, honestly, is like secretly my favorite character in this movie just because I love his his whole thing and his interaction. And I love the way that the guy plays him. I don't know who the fuck this guy is. He's Ralph Cifaretto in The Sopranos. But I just kind of have, I, you know, he, he's only in the first one. So, like, he just sort of disappeared out of my mind. And I was like, fuck, dude, I forgot how awesome this guy is, right? And I think that stuff is really deep, right? I think the greater stuff about the machines and the structure and the sort of, you know, the nature of the prison you know, that is described as the Matrix and being slaves or whatever else. I think all of that is really basic and sort of un, uninteresting. And I think it's the genesis of where you get problems with the metaphor of the red pill, right? You know, because that represents politically a variety of different, you know, a variety of different things. Because it represents, you know breaking through and seeing some truth that the system doesn't want you to see. But that's such a vague statement that the system can be fucking anything, right? The system can be, you know, the church, it can be your parents, it can be school, it can be the government, it can be, you know, ideological, right? And so that just opens it up to sort of be taken, you know, like anybody could kind of claim anything to it, right? Obviously, white nationalists or men's rights activists could use the red pill in the way that it's been, you know, like, actually used. But then you also have people who make the entire opposite argument, right, that, like, oh, The Matrix is this great work of anti-capitalist literature, and The the Matrix is, is capitalism or whatever. And the truth is, they're all correct, because it's all so vague that it'll fit yep. everything, right? It really has no point of view. And it, and it sort of has no underwriting ideology. Um, which... I don't think it's bad in and of itself. It is just sort of the basic nature of the, the, I mean, it does, the it, elements of the Matrix that I just like. Eh. I, it,
0: it does it does have it does have a point of view. It's just like not particularly aimed, right? Like it's a bro, rather broad, broad point of view. It's, it's a kind of a very kind of you know uh, you know freedom is good. Type of type of view, right? Yeah, like ind- individual true. will and individual. Yeah, like, it, it is a
1: pro-human point of view for certain, right? Like you know, the villain giving a big monologue about how terrible humanity is. Obviously, yeah. you know that that does point that. Oh, the Matrix thinks that humanity is good. People living is good, right? But yeah, I, the,
0: the, oh. I mean, but not not just living, right? Like obviously, the, the the kind of like you know, the people in the pods are. Are alive, right? But they're not really Mm -hmm. living, right? Like you know, it's it's like a it's like a very kind of like it's very it's very pro free will and very um, anti kind of like control in in a way which which kind of like I think jazzes with the kind of libertarian take that 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 I I read in that that line, right? It's like you know, like you know, no 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 masters type of type of deal. Um,
1: Yeah, I mean, and one of the things that one of the other most interesting lines that I don't think I ever caught before is uh, when Cypher is arguing with Trinity. She says, like, you know, like, it's a prison, and he's like, really? Because I do what Morpheus tells me to do. Is that not a prison? And I was just like, fuck, dude, like, that actually kind of goes harder than, like, anyone, you know, like... That is maybe one of the deepest lines in the whole movie, right? Because it does sort of e- examine like, are they on the Nebuchadnezzar because of free will? Trinity pulls rank on, on Neo, to to make him fall in line, right? Like, that's a structure, and it's a structure kind of like the Matrix is a structure, getting people to to do to do what you want. So I don't know,
0: like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I think that's simultaneously kind of like. Reflects like, like the the kind of uh, I don't know. Like, there's obviously a difference in degree, and like you know, Cypher has a point, but only to it, but only to a point, right? Like, um, but I, but I, but I agree with you. The kind of like the you know the open embrace of like I want to go back into the hole. I want to go back to the box and just feel good and and you know, ignore reality, like bury my head in the sand, uh, type yeah. of deal.
1: I mean, and yeah, that's kind of the fucked up part. I actually sort of weirdly empathize with cipher and i think in a in a real situation i would rather be i would maybe take the blue pill just because like dude it looks like it fucking sucks on the nebuchadnezzar like eating that like slop or whatever you know they all look so cold and tired (laughs) it's just like man who wants that right (laughs)
0: like yeah no i mean you know this is like this is like approaching from the opposite direction right like if you could plug in and kind of like you know this is is almost in, in a lot of ways like um the mirror of like Ready Player One, which does have like some some points to like moderation, right? Like the end of the Ready Player One is like you know, and then every Thursday was get out of get out of the simulation day because <laughs> that's bad, right? Like yeah, um, no, but that's true because Ready Player One was very like pro the simulation, right? Right. Like, yeah, yeah. It's like know, one of the become... core
1: fundamentals of the simulation was that it brought these people together and he found true friendship, you know. Online, which I like a lot. I think that that's one of the coolest things in that, you know, in that whole movie. So, yeah, that's interesting. I, I didn't think about that.
0: And, and, and I, I think part of it, too, is like, you know, there's obviously difference in, 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 in those simulations, right? Like, yeah, the simulation. Yeah, that's
1: true. W- one of the things is that, you know, you spend a lot of time in the early Matrix um, in the real world. Which I also forgot about, right? Like all of the drama with the bug. I, I guess I remember the bug, but just like him in his office trying to escape the, you know, like the agents or whatever. All that stuff. I just kind of like that's the stuff that falls out of the back of your brain, right? Because it's not the super important yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that does not have a pretty fundamentally good view of like modern society. Do you know what I mean? Like I think. It seems to suggest that modern society sucks also, and that's, like, part of the the calculus to break free. Like, you know, if my life in The Matrix sucks and if my life in reality sucks, I would rather take reality just because at least that one is real.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, this. It's, it's, it's interesting, too, because, like, it felt like it was also calling up some, like, sort of, like... Francis Fukuyama-ish end of history stuff, right? Like, 1999, the pinnacle of civilization is, like, you know, right in that, like, towards the end of, you know, it's pre 11 right? Like, the area between, like, the fall of the Soviet Union and 9-11 is, like, you know, uh, again, it's commonly referred to as kind of, like, the end of history, and then history unends when 9-11 happens, and we go, you know, and, and you know, the, 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 the world goes to shit again. Yeah, uh, worldwide
1: peace is abolished, and we yeah. go back into, you know, petty conflicts and squabbles. Yeah. Um... <laughs>
0: Uh, but it's it's interesting to just kind of, like, look at the aesthetics, right? Like, obviously, they, they go to, like, this weird goth club, right? Like, um, you know, they really torture the Alice in Wonderland metaphor uh, for a while, right? Like, just, like, you know, it's very much also, like, an era piece and also, like, era-defining, right? Like, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like you can probably draw, like, as horrifying as this is, you can probably draw a straight line from The Matrix to, like, you know, the, the Denver school shooters wearing trench coats, right? Like, you know, it's, 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 you know, it like morphs into kind of like the, the fedora cool guy, you know, uh, not cool guy, but, you know, uh, nerd aesthetic, right? Like, um, I don't know. It's. It, yeah, it, I, you know, and
1: I think that there's something about all of that that has only sort of like grown and evolved over time. To- like, I think the Matrix this is probably not a controversial thought thinking about it, but it is like probably one of the most forward thinking movies I can think of from like the nineties or whatever. Um, you know, in terms of just like where we were going and where we were kind of like heading as a society. Right. You know, it's very tapped into the internet and to phones and all of this stuff. And like, you know, and this is an interesting thing, right? Like for instance, in the matrix resurrections, which neither of us have seen, we don't know what that's like. Are there landlines that they can use to get out? Because one of the fundamental, you know, thing, like rules of the Matrix, is that you need a hard line in order to get out of the Matrix, right? You can talk to your operator on a cell phone, but the cell phone isn't going to isn't going to transport you in and out of the matrix. You need a landline for that. Has that only gotten harder because I don't have a fucking landline. Do you?
0: Nope. <laughs> Absolutely not.
1: Yeah. Like my parents have a landline, I guess maybe like, and actually that's not even true. I don't think my parents have a landline anymore. I think my parents got rid of their landline. So I don't think, I don't think I know anybody that has a landline. My parents do. Mango's parents have a landline. Neo, if you want to get out of the Matrix, this is my recommendation: go to uh, fucking Randolph. Can you imagine talking, talking to Dozer? Dozer, I need an escape. All right, there's nothing in Manhattan. You got to get on a train (laughs) for an hour (laughs) to Randolph.
0: Uh, <laughs> there's a, there's you, know, you know what I want to know is like does like a cordless phone atta- like that's hooked into a landline work, right? Does like like you know, like the yeah? you know I mean that's, that's like a dumb little question, but like I yeah. mean
1: you know an interesting one would be would would a headset work, right? We are you know I'm talking to you through a broadband internet yeah. connection, right? Which is obviously like that's a, that's a hardwired internet connection. Would that work? Yeah, no. I, I,
0: I was gonna say like if, if you if I wanted to explain this away, I would say like my, my you know my cable counts right like you know like mm-hmm. my my cable service uh, counts, but um I don't know like I'll be interesting to seeing how they deal with it. I've also like read earlier like I have only read earlier I've read headlines <laughs> of early reviews uh, that say something like it's a big subversion and I am afraid that the, it's not going to be very good. But we will. Okay, we will guys. See.
1: Office buildings still exist. They have lots of landlines. That's fair. I guess office buildings are another good spot for yeah. for landlines. Uh, <laughs> but I just, you know, in general, yeah. yeah, like that's something that I that's something that I was thinking about, right? Like how, um, even though it is, it is sort of locked in time in a way, right? Because yeah. of its place in the zeitgeist, it is pretty. You know, like this is something. This is a movie that could have come out in 2010, and I don't think would have been crazy, right? Like. You know, most of the mechanics aren't weird in the same way that, like, a lot of Seinfeld plots would get solved by cell phones, right? Like, we've talked about that kind of an effect before. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, complete, completely shifting gears, because it's my other my other pet theory that I want to talk about, is Agent Smith. So the other thing I love about this movie is Agent Smith. And, and something I realize is that I feel like Agent Smith is the maybe most fundamental, like... Example of that kind of Thanos archetype villain, right? Where he gets his villain speech, where he says, I'm a bad guy and this is why, right? And it is because he has some grand misanthropic, you know, hatred of humanity or whatever. And I just, I for some reason, it just really flashed me back to fucking Thanos. And I was like, oh my God, Thanos is like the... It's like the domino meme, right? Where it's like Agent Smith explaining to fucking Morpheus how much he hates, you know, humanity. And then the big domino is idiots arguing online on Twitter about whether or not Thanos was right. Like, (laughs) (laughs) Because I felt like that's sort of what I was, uh, that's sort of what I was watching. And when I was thinking of other movies, like, you know, like the other big 90s movies, um... So for instance like Independence Day is sort of the other one that I w- that was in my head. The aliens are just bad guys. There's no there's nothing more complicated to it than that. They're just fucking bad guys. They're coming to enslave the planet. They don't talk, they don't have any motivation. They're just bad guys, right? Or um or even like Hans Gruber, right? He's just a thief. He just wants he just wants money, man. He just wants to get rich, right? Um but I feel like almost all of the villains we have nowadays are like these very megalomaniacal, right? Like they have some great th- th- this like this greater good thing. They think what they're doing is is morally righteous, right? Um, which uh, I don't know. I it's fucking it's a thing.
0: Yeah, no, I I I get what you're saying because I, I, I was thinking about like some of this. I, I, I think I think that this might be a cyclical thing. You know, like we've been talking about how, like, you know, we're like moving back into like an earnestness. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Cause, like, you know, Eggman in Sonic is not a complicated, he's is, is not like a complicated <laughs> villain. Right. Like, he, you know, like Jim Carrey hams it up, but he's like very.
1: This. <laughs> this is amazing.
0: He's like, he's a very simple villain. Right. Like, and, you know, obviously it's a you kid's know? movie. Yep. But, you know, it's. Yeah. It, it's it's not like I, – I think we're moving back in that direction. I, I was thinking about what you were sure. saying about, like, you know, like these little, th- like, plot holy type things that you don't pick up on back in 1999. You know, I wonder if, like, Lost was, like – Lost and, like, the internet are, like, the turning points for that where it's, like, you know, people suddenly have a way to discuss all of their theories with each other. Whereas, like, you know, you could, like – corner some like some poor you know like the the meme of like you know the guy like talking to his girlfriend is like you know corner some poor person and be like and i think oracle's a program (laughs) it's like i'm just trying to buy coffee right (laughs) like (laughs) yeah
1: i actually i think that this is very real i absolutely agree with you and i think that um honestly i think it's bigger than that right like you know I, i i think it's this is the kind of thing that i that like underwrites everything right like when is the story itself, right, like, what you're talking about versus just kind of, like, the lore? Like, so, for instance, the, the, the reason this is in my head is because I'm arguing with people on WoW about it all the time. Um, but there's this, like, perception that, like, Shadowlands, like, WoW Shadowlands, is not authentically World of Warcraft, right? It is too big. It's too concept. It's too high. You know, like, it's too whatever. And, the, and it is not the thing that we all agree is World of Warcraft. That's something you'll see on Twitter, you'll see on Reddit or whatever. But when you actually think about it, like, the content itself, right? Like, Shadowlands is vampires and liches, you know, like, nature spirit. Like, all of that stuff seems perfectly in keeping with, like, if I were to tell somebody, does a lich, is a lich part of World of Warcraft lore? Is an abomination part of World of Warcraft lore, right? Are gargoyles and, you know... uh Nature spirits, right? Like, are these all things that are part of World of Warcraft lore? You would say yes to each of those individually, but somehow, kind of the whole that, like, the package itself is like doesn't doesn't necessarily uh, sort of fit, right? And I think the same thing is kind of true on sort of like a like a storytelling level because of how we speculate and theorize about this stuff, right? Um, where we are now, sort of looking at the you know, I'm, I'm, I'm attacking this like entirely wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm like making the opposite of the point I'm, I want to make here, but whatever. Like, I'm just going to ride it out. Right. So the, the obsession with these like little tiny details, right, that go in the YouTube videos that make it on like the Sins list actually kind of degrade the overall thing right you know like the overall thing of the matrix is sort of eaten away by all of like the nitpicky bullshit Uh, until we get to this point where it's like are we really going to say that like this movie which is about these bigger philosophical themes about determinism and free will and all of this other stuff is really undone because like the mechanics of the agents don't quite make as much sense as we might otherwise like think and the answer to that is like that's bad that's that's something we should be we should be like fighting against because i think it destroys what makes stories fun and interesting in, in the first place right is a version of things where the agents snap their finger and delete neo fun or better than the version of things where they miss with their guns no i don't think it is that's worse right so you know i don't know I have complex theories. I have complex feelings yeah. about this shit. <laughs> no, I mean,
0: it's, it's just one of those things where, like, but part of it is, is, is but you can and can't help, right? Like, you know, how, like, like do you unwatch, do you, do you, like, unwatch things where, like, this is important to, like, you know, or, like, unthink about these things so that, like, you know, you don't notice that that doesn't make any sense? Do I, like, you know, do we, like, not have to have, like, have, like, uh, an idea of like how game development works, right? Like part of, part of this is probably just that like software dominates our lives so much more than it did back then. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, even like, obviously I'm a software professional, you're a software professional. Um, and so we've got a little bit more insight into this thing. I wonder, I, I feel like even though normies have like a better understanding of, of like how software works, maybe not to the, if, to, to the extent where they'd be able to see these things that we're seeing, but like, you know, I wonder, how, like, I wonder how, how that affects people's abilities to kind of, like, read into, it, it, into these things, right? Yeah, uh, I also think software
1: itself has changed, right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, what, what is the, is it Moore's Law or whatever? We're 20 years later of processing power, getting more, like, the th- you know, something I talked about earlier, right, is how effortless an aimbot is. In, in today's ecosystem, right? right? Just because the amount of processing power and RAM and all that other stuff, right, that I have at my disposal is so much more powerful than what they would have had at 1999, right? Like, there is no... there. I, I don't really have to think all that much about limitations of memory or whatever else in order to make these kinds of computational decisions, just because I, I am submerged in a world where that stuff is pretty freely available. But yeah, in the world of 1999, you can understand how those things would feel, I guess I'm sort of arguing against my own point from earlier, but how those things would feel more real, right? Because connecting to the internet is a slow process. Talking to someone on the internet is a slow, pro- slow process, right? Your computer itself chugs doing basic shit right? Um, even on, like, the most high-end software, because the most high-end software at the time, or on the most high-end hardware, because the most high-end hardware at the time is, like, 512 megabytes of RAM.
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, man. I wonder, like, if you were to remake the, ma- like, if, if you were to, like, you know, pluck Matrix out of time and try and redo it now, right? Like, how it would look, and if, and if you could, like, make it work, or if there was something about, like, at that point in the 90s that kind of, like, made it work. I,
1: I think... I think you could do it. I absolutely think you could do it. You, you But you would have to change the world, world building um, yeah. quite a bit. Not so, so much the world building, but maybe the rules. Like, so, for instance, I could v- imagine a version of The Matrix where, you know, you have some sort of... You kind of have a couple of baseline rules that, that obfuscate this stuff. For instance, you could say... That there's so much traffic going on that it's impossible for the machines, even you know the most powerful machines or whatever, to monitor all of it, right? That's how you hide people coming in and out of the matrix, right? Um, and how they have to be alerted to times and locations by by all this other stuff and how agents work or whatever. Um, and then you could maybe make a sort of like hacker counter hacker version where you have an operator who is actively hacking the matrix while the machines are trying to manipulate it. So you have a moment where An agent pops up and Dozer says, I can give you 30 seconds of like a misfiring program that decreases the agent's accuracy or whatever. And so it is now not hitting or it's gun jams or something, right? Like... And you have that sort of uh, you have that sort of like a back and forth and that just kind of creates the the same rules archetype but you have to work but you just have to like explain around it a little bit more I, I also think you would probably have to change like the phone lines uploading downloading kind of thing but you know whatever yeah I mean that's that doesn't seem crazy to me I
0: like I, I, the obvious change that everyone talks about right is like originally the people in the pods were supposed to be processing power and not power right like I think you could make that change and like not have people be like the, the the, the thing was that the, the rumor is that the studio exec said it has to be powered because people don't understand what, it, you know, processing power is. I think oh, make, yeah, right,
1: right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I think you could make that, that change sense. and that, like, also, like, introduces, like, a whole avenue of, like, ways to be, like – and because they're processing things, you can't, like, tell things apart and that's why people can, like, jack in or whatever, right? That, that kind of – like, yeah, you know. And I don't think you need to, like – I don't think most of these things need to be explained um, in the text. Like, I think – in the meta text, maybe, right? Because, like, none, none of these things, like, you know, there's, like, a level where it's, like, the reason it doesn't work is because the movie told you so, right? Like, the reason mm-hmm. Agent Smith doesn't need to aim or, 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 or doesn't have a perfect aim is because the movie showed you that Agent Smith doesn't have a perfect aim, right? Like, and you believe the text when it shows it, shows it to you. And there's, like, you know, you know, obviously places that you can play with that, but, like, you know, it's, like, there must be an explanation that makes that make sense at some level, right? Like, um, it's only when it gets, like, really bad or when like it crosses over into things that you know can't be you know can't be real right like like you know the free guy thing we were talking about like the servers in the basement right like it's being like you know highly unlikely at the very least but that's because it's supposed to be like the real world it's not supposed to be like you know some some magical world or whatever um, yeah
1: that makes sense and to, and to a certain extent i almost wonder like how much that you know like this stuff matters right like this is sort of my other frustration with how we can sometimes talk about movies right like um the, a good example for this is the movie annihilation did you ever see that movie
0: i don't think i have
1: uh it is a uh god i'm trying to not spoil it so it's a movie that there's a big alien bubble in the, yeah, in the I, florida swamp right, or whatever, right, right right i remember that yeah. so there is you know like there's like a, a reveal you're they move through the thing a bunch of weird shit happens and they eventually figure out why the weird shit happens, right? And the answer basically is that the whole thing is a metaphor for kind of like trauma, right? So it is this metaphor for, you know, like how you aren't the same person that you were when you experience something traumatic. When you go through a traumatic experience, you come out the other side, a fundamentally different person with fundamentally different kind of like priorities and understanding of yourself, understanding of the world around you, right? And so this is the metaphor. She goes in to the bubble a bunch of shit happens she comes out of the bubble and is a and is the same person she's in the same body right but she is a completely different person right that metaphor is entirely lost on the on the this like ecosystem of like lore decoding youtubers right who are only there to go oh when she comes out of the bubble or whatever, and again, I'm trying to spoil. You know, these are all of the the story implications, and it's like the story implications don't fucking matter. The story's over, right? Like the story ends, and it ends on her coming out of the bubble and being this, you know, and ha- and having changed, right? Um, And speculating on what comes next endlessly is is so far beyond the pale. It doesn't matter. It is is entirely pointless but when you can only see sort of the plot level mechanics of the world and i just want to you know see how this world itself kind of functions on a literal level and not deal with it on a thematic level right um that that, like that's that's so that's painful and that's that's really harmful A, a similar thing i could you could make a similar argument about star wars and star wars it's even more insidious because star wars lives on right you know so for instance one of the things that we talked about when it came to the last jedi right You know, like what I love, one one of the things I love about the Love's Jedi is. The, just the raw thematic level of it, right? Anybody can be a hero, right? You know, we are what they grow beyond, all of that kind of stuff happening on kind of like a thematic level. But when people are complaining about that movie, a lot of the times what they're complaining about is stuff happening on a literal level, right? Where it is not obeying the, the rules and the laws of the Star Wars universe as they, as it was written, right? Like, this is why the Holdo maneuver is something that, you know, people stick to and are frustrated by because it just kind of breaks down their understanding of the universe itself, right? It's like how could how could nobody have thought about this how could nobody have considered doing this or whatever or whatever else right um, and I think that you know like that that is one way in which people practice criticism and I would argue a very bad way in which people practice criticism um, but it sort of backloads into you know like I think that th- if the matrix came out today people would rip it apart for this kind of shit to be honest
0: yeah I, I, I think I think I'm <sighs> I think people are easier on kind of new properties just because like there's not something to there's not something to, to contrast against, right? I think you know, you know, I obviously disagree with you on on the Last Jedi, and I think part of that is that like part of what you sign like like both parts matter, right? Like the the literal level matters at some level, and the thematic level also matters, right? Like I don't want to I don't sure. want to down downplay that. And the problem with, like, building something in an existing universe is that that literal level, like, has, like, set points that matter in a way that you can't break without being untrue to the to the property, right? Like, like in Annihilation, again, I haven't seen it, right? Like, if there's a thing in that world that doesn't quite match up on the – or doesn't quite make sense on the literal level, it doesn't really matter since there will never be a second Annihilation. I, yeah. Once there is a second Annihilation, or if there ever is – then then those are problems for the second Annihilation. It never matters for the first movie, right? It never matters for the thing that... Um, because it is setting that entire scene, right? Like, you get a little bit wonky when you're interfacing with the real world, as we've, as we've talked about it kind of at Nazi. Yeah, and it, is a,
1: it is also... You know, in, in Annihilation, it is a much simpler thing because it is a one-off, right? You know, a YouTuber who is talking about Annihilation and going... This is the implication, the end of the, this is the plot level implication for the end of that movie, right? You know, I'm just going to spoil it because I want to talk about you it in clear it. term. So, if you want to not understand what happens in Annihilation, you know, get Leave. Whatever. <laughs> the, the, the thing that happens at the end of Annihilation is she meets the The alien, right that like caused this like bubble disturbance thing or whatever. and the alien turns into a carbon copy of her, right? It becomes a copy of her, and then it kills the original, right and leaves the bubble, right. And the thing that happened is all of these YouTubers were talking about, oh there's an alien among us. Oh my God, the, the, the it's not the real her, it's the alien her. Isn't that crazy? But the thing is, without an Annihilation 2, it's not crazy. That doesn't matter. That, it's completely superfluous. Who, 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 who the fuck cares, right? The thing that matters is the, th- the thematic level, is that metaphorical level of, right, this is someone who is fundamentally transformed by the, the trauma that she's experiencing, right? And this whole movie is about how different people cope with their trauma on that thematic metaphorical level. But it does get a little dicey when it comes to the Star Wars universe because, like, it exists you know, past that point, right? And, oh, there are three... I actually didn't know there were three books. I just knew that there was no sequel because one of the things that was talked about is them not wanting... them not being interested in making a sequel to this movie. Um, because in the Star Wars universe, like, there are, you know, there are uh, sort of... There is there is an expectation that these things will continue on, right? Or maybe, you know, WoW would honestly also be an interesting example of this, right? Like, so something that happened... Is we got the night warrior stuff. We got Taronda, right? Taronda becomes the Night Warrior, is full of all of this power. She fights Sylvanas and is going to kill Sylvanas, but the Night Warrior power gets stripped of her, right? So and she falls into a coma, right? And that stuff gets resolved later. But you have people who go what the fuck was the point of the Night Warrior if she didn't kill Sylvanus? If Sylvanas is alive at the beginning of the Night Warrior stuff and at the end of the Night Warrior stuff, why did this matter? It had no effect on the plot. It was superfluous and it was dumb, right? But the Night Warrior stuff is just a, a literalization of Tyrande's obsession with vengeance, right? She is literally killing herself because she is so fucking obsessed with getting vengeance on Sylvanas, right? It is working on that thematic level. Um... And I just feel like that's, like, a thing that I am frustrated about when we no. talk about yeah. this kind of stuff on like, a, on, like, a day-to-day, you know, basis, right? I don't think whether or not she is or is not the Night Warrior has a big, huge implication itself for, like, the... You know, I, the Night Warrior doesn't break any Warcraft rules, right? But when you have someone who is obsessed with the function of, the, like, the lore and the universe... It sort of blinds them to these other, you know, kind of levels that a story can be working on. And that happened to be a level that was working on a on like a character arc level. Right. Ronde has a character arc where she goes through and she and she realizes that she doesn't want to, you know, essentially commit fucking suicide. right? (laughs) And uh, but if all you care about is just like the function of the universe as if it were real, you kind of I don't know. All of this, well, yeah, this all sounds familiar because I have argued about this with players of
0: <laughs> players in our raid group. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean that that makes that makes that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. what is what is the function of saving Man Kirk's wife? Did I do the did I do the meme right? Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what is
1: that? <laughs> yeah, definitely.
0: Um, you know what's, but and. <sighs> You know, and on I, one hand, I like
1: that. I, I like that speculative nature, right? To Star Wars, to Wow, to The yeah. Matrix, right? You know, I. It is a theory of mine that Trinity has the power to choose who the one is, and she chooses Neo. But that's actually, you know, and, and I could support that with evidence in the text. But it's not like hard fact, right. right? Like there's nothing to make that any more true than Neo is always the one. And, you know, he when he when he makes the decision to stand and fight against Agent Smith, that's when he becomes the one. Or Neo is always the one and the Oracle lied to him, right, in order to get him into the right place at the right time, you know, in, in order to try and, you know, incentivize him to save or- Morpheus' life. Or that Agent Smith... is All of these are different theories, right, that we can kind of speculate about and argue about. And I think that that stuff is interesting, right? I mean, we didn't even get to my Agent Smith theory, which is... So... People, the the common thing that people say about Agent Smith is that when Neo jumps into him, that is what fundamentally changes Smith, right? That Smith takes on some of Neo's abilities and code as the One or whatever, and that's what allows him to return as a villain in Reloaded and Revolutions. But I actually think that the that is untrue. Um, Smith is independent of and motivated by the like out to be. Outside of the, you know, the confines of the machine before that happens, right? When he takes the earpiece out and he tells Morpheus that he fucking hates humanity and all he wants is to be free of the Matrix, that's something that happens before Neo jumps into him, and it expresses that he has more consciousness and free will than any of the other machines like do or exhibit and he has a different goal than those machines do right like he is essentially working with the machines because he believes that they're a, a means to an end and so you know i i think smith is just transformed by his hatred right he is transformed by his fundamental loathing of humanity and neo is incidental to that whole process but again that's you know that's a theory that's just a theory right <laughs> on um, matrix tricks theory. Um, and it's cool to argue about that sort of stuff, but I don't know. I also just like feel like it's only cool to argue about that stuff when it's like bigger and more complex than just how does X plus Y equals Z.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I will agree with you to a certain extent. There's been an over over-literal, over literalization of a lot of this stuff. Um, uh, I didn't think we could, you know, we, we've talked about it plenty on, on the show at in various, at in, in various times. Um, uh, but I, I, I just don't think that that means that it's not important at all. Right. I, I, you know, (sighs) things swing back and forth. Like I said, I think at some point we're going to, we're due for like a reversion to the, to the meme mean, right. Like, um, uh, just because like we've been, we've gone so far down that path that like, I don't know. Um, I also think it's easier to do with things that like, you know, I think sci-fi is a hard genre to be less literal with because, like, I think that's part of, like, what the draw of sci-fi is, right? Is like, mm-hmm. the, these kind of, like, worlds that you can explore and, like, deign to have internal consistency, right? Like, that's part of the draw of it. And I think there are ways to explore, like, these kind of, like, lofty, like, these thematic things in other ways that don't necessarily have to have the, the grounding and the literalness to, like, kind of, like... Pull the yeah, something
1: that I that I d- also forgot about when it came to the Matrix is how much of this movie is just explaining the raw function of the Matrix, the world, the machines yeah. and all of that stuff, right? Like there's a very long first act, like maybe the first half is like the is like act 1 of the Matrix, right? Because there's just a lot of conversation, a lot of conversations that are just explaining the function of the world, right? Where Morpheus is going, "Well, you can make a 25,000 BTUs with a human, you know, or whatever, right? Um, And that's not a burden that is on a movie like Die Hard or something like that, you know what I mean? Which is just essentially taking place in the contemporary world as we know it, right? You don't really have to explain the setting at all. Um, But I do think that that is, like, a legitimate part of the draw, right? Like, there are good settings and bad settings, I guess I would say. Um, And I've definitely had that interaction where, you know... Like all of the dystopian YA movies are sort of like this, like the Hunger Games. I really, the the Hunger Games setting and those sorts of settings in those like why post you know apocalypse like those dystopian YA kind of movies. They tend to be pretty bland and uninteresting, and I don't really know or... Am, I'm not really gripped or am interested by the rules of them all that much. Um, and I think that that's, like, a real sort of... Uh, it's something that tends to be drawn dropped by the wayside. Actually, maybe a more topical version of this is Cyberpunk 2077, which is... I talked about it not giving me that Skyrim feeling. And the thing I think I'm describing in it not giving me that Skyrim feeling is this like world that I want to go sort of submerge and immerse myself in, right? Where it's not really selling me on the setting itself being an interesting or compelling place that I want to spend a lot of time going and, and exploring and learning all about, if that makes sense. It Um, does. It does. Which is maybe, uh, did you ever, or do you want to segue? Should we do final, we can do final thoughts as well.
0: Um, yeah, I guess I guess that's probably the right, right place to do it. Um, yeah. So, final thoughts. I don't know if we get anything more about the Matrix. It's a good movie. If you haven't seen it, it's a very good movie. Is
1: should... it? Can I ask? Is it your favorite Matrix movie?
0: No. Um,
1: oh yeah, boy. Let's get it. Damn. Damn, uh, yeah, I definitely think it is the best of uh, of the Matrix movies, but it is also not my favorite Matrix movie.
0: Yeah, I I, I really like Reloaded. Um, it's very cerebral, um, although I haven't watched it in a while, so uh, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah,
1: though. we'll 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 talk about that. We'll talk about that next week, I guess.
0: How was uh How was your week?
1: Well, uh, speaking of Skyrim, I started playing Skyrim again over the Thanksgiving break, and I played, like, 15 hours of Skyrim in four days, um, because I, so my, my initial question was, and, you know, the Skyrim Anniversary Edition just came out, which is why it was on my mind, but, um, the initial question was, if I am looking for that Skyrim feeling, can I get it from Skyrim, or, you know, like, is it, is that, is it too elusive, right? You know, um, friend of the cast, Zhao, asked in one of the chats where if, if Cyberpunk was good. And I just sort of mentally compared it in my head to some of the recent sort of, like, open world games I've played. And the answer is kind of not really, right? Like, I think I like Cyberpunk 2077 less than I liked, uh, like, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, for instance, or Far Cry New Dawn, which, you know, I played pretty recently. Um, and, uh and I'm just trying to I'm just trying to like unpack that. Like I think I feel like I'm saying Cyberpunk is not a good game. But I also don't want to say that. And so I'm just sort of feeling around for this. But the answer is yes, Skyrim absolutely is just as fucking like it's so easy to get sucked into that game. It's so easy to get just like right up right up into it. And one of the neat things from the anniversary edition is they added a survival mode. And this is also part of what was fun. Is um Survival mode is something from Fallout, from Fallout New Vegas, where, you know, you have a hunger meter, you have to drink water, um, you have to sleep, or you'll, you know, like, you know, it it just kind of overall makes the experience, like, more fundamentally realistic. Skyrim also has a survival mode now. Um, you know, maybe the big one is no fast travel, right? Um, and it's just been, it's just been great. It's just been a treat everything there's so much little shit in that game that i completely fucking forgot about um which is crazy because i've put like f- three or four hundred hours probably over the course of the last 10 years uh into this game but like i just kept running into stuff. i was like oh shit i remember this quest but I, I also don't like i remember the introduction where somebody said oh this person is whatever right but i was like what actually happens i don't i guess i don't remember um so you know yeah
0: yeah very cool very cool um did you end up finishing cyberpunk I have not yet um okay I got to like I started chaining through a side quest that seemed really interesting so I've been like biting my time and then I also I could not play while I was uh, home for Thanksgiving uh, oh sure because you on your you were on your laptop yeah yeah Yeah, I really just need to bite
1: the bullet and finish it off. I have gotten to this point where, you know, I don't know, maybe I just, like, should up the difficulty or something, or I should just play it like a stealth game. I'm just playing it like an action game, and I just run up and click, left-click things, and they die. Or I die, and that's it. That's, like, no more complex or interesting than that.
0: (laughs) I think, I feel like that's, like, how a lot of combat played out in, like, Skyrim, though, right? Like, um, you know, it's... There's just, like, a limit to how complex you can make open-world games. Like, the combat in open-world games still have it, like, function. Um, yeah. At least, at least for the timing. I, yeah,
1: I actually – I think that is fundamentally true. And there's a – there's an interesting tension, right? Because, like, you know, so one of the things they said is to to play, like, a stealth game or whatever. And, like, that's the thing that happens in Skyrim. People play stealth archer, right? And I w- sort of wonder, is that, a, is that sort of a um, – uh, like an indication that the straight up fighting mechanics are just like not that fun, not that interesting, not that kind of complex or whatever. I do think there's something to sort of like the resource management of it all, right? Um, and this is maybe the thing that Skyrim has, you know, it like hooks me with in a way that Cyberpunk doesn't. Like, I don't really care about money and I don't, and I'm not thinking about my inventory or anything at all. It's just kind of like when I get stuff, I. Essentially, you know, I disassemble it or whatever. And then when I have a certain amount of money, I go buy a, you know, I go to a, a Ripper Dock and I buy some, some upgrade. But, like, in Skyrim, I'm constantly thinking about, right, like, my encumbrance, right? Oh, I'm in a dungeon and I have 150 carrying capacity. You know, what can I pull out of that dungeon that's the most valuable stuff? And I want to use that, that money to then, you know, craft weapons or, uh, you know, like, buy a house or whatever else right like there, there's all these kinds of ancillary sort of secondary objectives um to to it that make a sort of like a web of incentives to the play if that makes sense
0: it does it does um yeah um
1: but yeah i need to i need to like buckle down and actually just finish sorry because i'm on the quest you know i'm i'm at the point where it's like, don't go any further, if you you know you're about yeah, to yeah. end the end the fucking game, and there's a side quest that I'm just pretty sure I want to complete, mostly because I have a feeling it's going to change the ending to the good ending, and so that's why I'm doing it.
0: <laughs> that's Fair like enough. The only reason. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, similarly doing some side quests in that in, in that vein in that game, although I haven't played in like a week, so. Um, but I, ha- I played a bunch of Halo over the break because um, I was uh, at home. My brother brought his Xbox home as well. I found out that you can plug a mouse and keyboard into an Xbox One, and they work. So I didn't have to play Halo with a controller. I played for, like, a match with it. I was like, I can't do this. It feels so sloppy. Um, but, you know. Tags. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, and Halo is fun. I played the event, which um, gets you, like, samurai-looking armor. It's neat. Um uh, but it's, it's it's Halo, baby. Um, I also played a, a handful of um, Carrion, uh, which is like a reverse Metroid in that you play the monster and you're, like, zipping through stuff. And you're, like, solving puzzles. It's a relatively short game. I didn't finish it yet, but I can tell I'm, like, almost at the end. Um, that, was, that was neat. It's on Xbox Game Pass. Um, so, you know, uh, it's also on PC for Ultimate Game Pass. But, you know... Uh, and then the other big thing I did is I watched all of Squid Game with my brother. Um, and, uh, you know, it starts out strong, and I think it ends really weak. Um, like, I don't understand how this blew up so much, because, like, I think the ending is, like, not great. Um,
1: wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I actually also don't understand how it blew up so much, but I haven't watched it, so.
0: I mean, funnily enough, it, it kind of like you talk about these, like, YA post-apocalyptic settings. It's like in kind of the, you know, the... Um, what's the world, the word, the uh, the battle royale genre, right? Like it's, you know, um, and the world building aspects are neat, but like, like I said, it kind of falls off towards the end. And uh, so one of the things that I thought was super interesting, just from kind of like a general perspective is like, my brother and I would sit there and we'd talk about it. We make like, you know, predictions for the next episode, or, like the next minute or whatever. And you could tell that we were coming from a very American content, like, like context. Cause like, the next thing would happen and it, it'd be like, not what we predicted and be a lot more earnest basically <laughs> than what we were predicting. Mm-hmm. Like we predict something like vaguely cynical, right? Like, um, like, and this is a very mild spoiler, um, for squid game. Um, uh, but in the second episode, um, at the top of the second episode, they do the kind of like, you know, and if half of the, like one of the, one of the things they t- they explain about the squid game is that, um, Uh, The third clause is that the games can end if by a majority vote, um, uh, you know, everybody agrees to quit the games, right? Or like if a majority want to quit the games and the games end, right? And like I think it's it's either bottom of the first episode or top of the second episode. They call one of these votes. I'm like, oh, obviously it's going to fail. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a plot point later. Um, The vote succeeds and they all go home (laughs) and there's like a further stuff that happens, right? Like obviously the games continue at some point in the future, but I was just like, Oh, I was not expecting that. (laughs) Right. Like, um, there's also further implications down the line. Um, Verbal. that
1: happens to me in anime actually quite commonly, where I think I know where something is going, but like I don't understand the anime trope I understand yeah. it's kind of like mirror like western counterpart trope right it's happened it, specifically in my hero academia is what i'm is what I'm thinking of Because, um, like you know i mean I don't know maybe who i i we haven't done the more recent seasons we I could be mis like misunderstanding the stuff right, but it just seems that like some of the stuff they were setting up and paying off with like the 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 villains and you know like the heroes like I, w- I just had expectations that were like oh I think XYZ but that just comes from my understanding as like a western comics reader not the you know like a shonen jump reader Right, right? right, right. and I would have seen it coming kind of like from the other direction but that's interesting I have not watched the script game I've also just like resisted the temptation I guess there was a while where I was like I want to be part of the cultural conversation there's sometimes when I just like watch it for those reasons but um, I don't know the the three shows I've been watching in no particular like sort of order, but I just keep rotating between them for some reason is um, uh, American Dad, because I don't know that show's great. <laughs> it just is really fucking funny. Um, I honestly the reason is is because I made a reference to it in my a, in, a, in a in my with my Mythics team, and I was like, man, that shows that shows good. I haven't watched it in a while, and so I've just like started putting it on the the background while I'm doing, like, wow stuff or whatever. Um, Arrested Development, which I only started watching because I also started watching Succession, uh, the HBO show. And Succession immediately gave me Arrested Development vibes. And I was like, I'm going to watch these two back, like, up side by side and <laughs> see what that's like. Because obviously, Arrested Development is the story – it is the, you know, humorous, screwball comedy story of – a family of rich idiots and succession is the incredibly serious dramatic story about a family of rich idiots well maybe less idiots more just like fucking like like assholes something i something i remember to, i i once reviewed uh transparent on the podcast and i said that i hated that show because everyone in it was was absolutely terrible, but the show kept insisting that I should like them. And that they were like, you know, they were good people trying their best. And I was like, no, these guys are all terrible human beings, and I hate every single one of them. Succession is that version of the show, but like it understands that all of these people fucking suck. They are the worst, and I just categorically cannot empathize with a single one of them. I only have loathing and contempt for every single one of these.
0: Uh all right, fair enough. Um that's uh, it.
1: That's my that's my thoughts so far. I'm only 6 episodes in, so we'll see how far this goes, but boy is it is it uh, it's motivating to just watch a movie out of Freud because I hate everyone on screen and I watch I just like wa- watching them suffer. I just want whoever is winning in their games fighting each other. I want that person to just inflict as much emotional harm on all of these other people because they all are so terrible and I hate them so much. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend watching Succession just because, I don't know, it's, it's, it's good. It's very, it's, it's just, it's an HBO show. It reminds me, like, of a lot of other HBO shows. Um, but, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, that's fair. Um
1: Lucas in the chat. I would trade Squid Game for the next season of Alice in Borderland. Trade that earnestness and indictment of capitalism for fantasy and Saw. Please don't re- make me remember how much the real world sucks. I don't understand what that means because I don't know either of these so, shows well enough at all. But so
0: so I mean, this is this is only a, again a mild spoiler. The reason the reason the games continue is because basically everybody realizes that their life sucks more than playing the Squid Game, so they go play the Squid Game. Um, are basically wow. every it's like it's something like twenty something people don't come back, um, but everybody else does, um, um, and I, I might quibble with the the argument there because like all the people that are in the Squid Game have like made really poor life decisions right like they they make it very clear that no one in this game is there is there just because everything's fucked right like maybe one character who's like a North Korean refugee. Um, and also Ali uh, that's a, there there is one of the characters is a uh a Pakistani um migrant worker who kind of like just doesn't get paid um by his boss and has to it's it's a whole thing so you know uh, maybe that's a little bit more fair that, that I'm giving it credit for, but like you know a lot almost all almost all the people there are like not like are like fuck ups, right like um mm-hmm. in one way or another um but it's, and it's like. There's, there's, it's, it is interesting, but like, like I said, I don't think it lands it. I don't, I don't think it sticks to landing very well. Um, but uh, I have not seen Alice in Borderlands. I have heard mixed things about it. Um, I really, really don't want to get into
1: spoilers, but I think the anti-capitalism shit is more in the sponsors than the contestants. Yeah. The contestants have a version of it.
0: Yeah. No, no. I okay. No, no, <laughs> there <laughs> is. I mean, it's. Yeah, um, I, I get that, Lou. That, that, that's definitely fair. Um, but uh, anyway, moving on to other things. I've started Heretics of Dune, the uh, the fifth book. Uh, things have gotten weirder, which is like... <laughs> um, it's... Uh, you know, I, as I'm going through it, it's kind of like, like... I think like Four was definitely like... And Frank Herbert's Weird Musings on Politics... And five feels like it's gonna be Frank Herbert's weird musings on religion. Um there's some things I don't like about it already. Like like everything has always been like very allegorical, but like they like in the beginning of the fifth book, they like reveal that the one faction, the Klay Laksu, are the literal continuation of like Sunni and Sufi Muslims in like like and it like Kind of makes sense, maybe, but, like, nothing's been this direct since – or, I mean, there's been some stuff, right? Like, they, they talk about Hitler wow. and, at some point, but, like, it's it, – it's it just, like, weird how direct it is. Um, I don't know.
1: It's, that's crazy. Honestly, that's kind of nuts.
0: Yeah. Um I don't know. And there's a lot more context that you have to read through four books to understand. But uh um, it also raises some questions about the second book. Um but you know, I'm marching through that. Um, what else have I have I done? Um, I don't know. Oh, um, this thing I've talked about periodically: eight uh, bit Brody, um, the Ant um, uh, I've talked so it's basically like so. Eight bit Brody is a guy who does convention, like, he goes to, like, video game conventions and, like, dresses like a used car salesman and asks people, like, vaguely obnoxious questions. Um mean, it's entertaining, right? But obviously, during the pandemic, um, he couldn't do that, right? So, he, for a while, he just had people do guest videos. I think, like, what basically what happens is, like, I'll just have people do guest videos until the pandemic's over. And, like, at some point, that wasn't tenable anymore, right? So, we started doing this, like, long-form piece of content that was, like, Revealed in like short three-minute segments for like over a year. Um, And it finally concluded. Uh, So, you know, you can go watch all of that. And it's like not the greatest thing in the world, but it was super fun to watch for a year. And um, I'm excited to see what happens uh, next with the channel. Maybe he'll start going to conventions again. Um,
1: Nice. That reminds me of the, the Patrick H. Williams season. I was, I was telling somebody about that. I feel like the pandemic has honestly been pretty good for YouTubers. I feel like a lot of YouTubers have put out really strong content in the pandemic itself. Um, even if, you know, I'm actually a little bummed. Some of my favorite YouTubers haven't uh, uh, actually done much. But, you know, yeah. those that have have done good good shit, IMO.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, otherwise... Oh, so I watched a really interesting video on, um... Uh, let me see if I can find it. It's by, I think the channel's named Ahoy. Um, and he usually does kind of, like, breakdowns of, like, uh, video game weapons. Um, and being, like, you know, like, the real history behind the real gun that backs it up. But this one, he did a video on, um... What is it? On, like, basically... I'm gonna. I'm using the wrong term. But it's like trackers. Chip, yeah, yeah, chip tune software, um, essentially. Like interesting the the history of it, and uh, I like you know, kind of in the same way that like you know you watch like a um uh, uh a a video like, like a like a was it summoning the speedrunning videos. Um, sure. But like, I'm like a piece of real technology and how things work. And the graphics are always really pretty, and he goes through some details on it, and I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. Um, this is
1: a neat channel. This is a very It is a very cool
0: channel. channel. I world. recommend it to everyone. Um, but that, hap- that came out over the break, as did the new Seth Tazin's video, which is always fun. They're always fun to watch.
1: Yeah, uh, my, my obsession for a while was, have you ever seen this genre of, um, of expert reacts to movies you know, in their genre, and they point out all the all the things. It's like, oh, well, you know, I'm Chris Hadfield. I'm a real astronaut, and yeah. I want to like nitpick all the space movies or whatever. Um, there was a while where I was addicted to the. I was like, just, I was just watching every single one of those I could fucking find. This is like that kind of video. So, so it's like. really
0: funny. Um, that is another thing I managed to find is so a channel I watch is uh, Forgotten Weapons, which is basically a historical firearms channel. Um, okay. And IGN called him in to like. Do like talk about AK 47s in video games, and so like there's like a 30 minute, 30 or 40 minute video of him like talking about uh, maybe it's not that long, maybe I'm most sometimes his videos get long, but like, um, it's like a bunch of minutes of him talking about like what's up with like how accurate the different portrayals in video games are of, of uh, of AK 47s in particular. It was, it was, it was uh, I don't know, I thought it was interesting, I thought it was uh. You know, I'm into that kind of thing, but it's, it's very much in that genre of like expert reacts type of deal. Sure, um, yeah, very cool. Yeah, well,
1: uh, I guess that's about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, if you've got anything you'd like to, to, or if you have opinions on the matrix that you'd like to share with us, or any of the other things you talked about in the podcast, you reach us at DirtSplayGames at or podcasts dot Rate, review us on everywhere the podcasts are, uh, do all the things. Um, oh, very importantly, uh, we are fast approaching the episode number 300. Um, Very true. We are, based on timing, we're probably going to do an extra episode that is episode 300 because it should fall between either Reloaded and Resurrection, or no, Resurrection, Revolution, Revelations and Resurrection, between either the second and third or the third and fourth Matrix movies. Um, and so we want to get that out there, when I, like, in, in correct episode order. So send us your questions. Um, it's a May style thing. Um, traditionally... We have just gone until we've run out of question to ask, so please send us your questions. Again, that's podcast at games.com or um, SubdosePlayGames at gmail.com. Um, I believe the first time we did it, we went for like five hours. Um, the second time was much more reasonable. But uh, send us your questions. Um, we'd love to answer them. Um, and you can send us questions whenever, but, you know, we usually manage to actually get people. This is, to
1: this s- is a special time to send us questions. Yeah. Because we will answer every single question we get. We always make that commitment. Yeah.
0: Um, No matter how long it takes. (laughs) Um, But, uh, yeah, Um, that's everything I have. But do you have anything else you want to promote? You know, uh, I am streaming this Friday.
1: I'm doing a stream for Cardboard Kings for Games Gathering Kiev. Uh, But it's at the same time, you know, normal uh, 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the twitch.tv slash akbargames channel. Uh, And I guess that's the only thing I wanted to promote. So, yeah.
0: All right. Well, in that case, uh, until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.